Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Rippling Pages podcast. Now, are you a city dweller or a country lover? Are you enamoured with or desire the bustle of the city? Perhaps a quiet country is a source of anguish in our ever-modernising world, or maybe some green space is what you need. Either way, whatever your disposition, the pastoral genre, the idealisation of country rural life with scenes of shepherding and landscapes, continues to appeal for writers and non-writers alike. Duncan Weiser, my guest today, is a poet from Denmark. He's published two collections, but it's his account and interpretation of Titurus, the famous shepherd from Virgil's pastoral poems, regarded by some as the Roman Empire's greatest poet, has been translated into English by Max Minden Ribeiro and Sam Riviere. Duncan has been described by poet Luke Kennard as a voice so compulsively readable, both tersely clear and compellingly mysterious, that it gets into your head and starts narrating your own life. Duncan joins me from Funen in Denmark to talk more. Hi Duncan, thanks very much for joining me. Hi, thank you. I'm glad to be here, Liam. Glad to have you as well. Um, thanks very much, Duncan. Let's just get straight into it and let's start with what is it about Titurus's story that appealed to you? Well, I first um, encountered him. Actually, I was on a on a trip to Scotland with my dad. He's from Scotland, so he was kind of a tour guide. Uh, and in a bookstore in Aberdeen, I picked up uh, yeah this the pastoral poems of of Virgil and um yeah there I encountered Titurus for the first time as a character in the in the poem or actually it's more like a dialogue called The Dispossessed. It was about uh, an older um shepherd and a younger shepherd. The older one's called Mulibus and the younger one is called uh, Titurus. Civil War is roaming uh, roaming in the Roman Empire and Mulibus has lost his his estate and Titurus has uh, has traveled from the countryside to Rome to speak his cause and is allowed to keep his estate. And then they, yeah, they share a meal and talk about uh, about the situation. But it kind of stayed with me the name Titurus for for a while. I didn't use it for anything, and at that point, I wasn't even sure if I was going to uh, uh, become a poet or a writer, but. Yeah, two or three years later, I was uh, I was doing my um, my education as a writer at the writing school in Copenhagen at the Art Academy, and I was actually working on another project, a novel which uh, I never finished. But suddenly, when I was writing, this name came up, Titurus, in kind of had to follow it, and then um, I realized that I was I kind of was starting to write. Um, what I would call modern pastoral poetry. I grew up in the, in a small village. My all my adult life, I've been kind of moving from the periphery to the center and back. For example, now I live on the countryside in on Fyn, but I work in 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 Copenhagen as a as a teacher. So this movement from yeah from countryside to uh, the big bustling city where you go and earn your earn some money and then you then you go back and and rest his journey in a way and i think it it interested me that was that old 2000 years old it had like the same same movement from periphery to urban center and back and it it felt very relatable in a way so it was a book that you picked up about 10 10 11 years ago it stayed either way it stayed with you you know for that period of time and obviously yeah We've got the translation in 2023, and it was originally published in Denmark in 2019. So it's been on a bit of a journey, has this book, hasn't it? 
And I quite like this idea of the en- the enduring theme of the kind of periphery and the centre and the, the, the dynamic between the city and the countryside. And you are explicit in saying that this is a pastoral, uh, in the same way that Virgil's work is a pastoral. And you do modernise it, you do update your version. There are power stations, pints of beer, porn sites. Why these details? Was there a wider commentary that you're trying to make on Virgil's poem? For me, the difference between writing pastoral poetry 2,000 years ago and now is that the way I experience the countryside is also is is always with an iPhone in my pocket. Like it's for me, it's natural for there to be a transformer station or being on the internet while I'm in the woods. And I I really wanted the the poetry to reflect that in a way that when you walk out into the woods and maybe you have you've been drinking or you you take your prescription drugs or whatever the that you have to do or somebody sends you a text uh, or you check something on the internet or you think about porn sites and i think that's for for me that's kind of where, where i want pastoral po- poetry to be in a way not not idealized not uh, more and more um, kind of to be real and yeah also like agriculture and agricultural woods in denmark and like there's not there, there actually there isn't really any pastoral land left in Denmark. It's it's basically fields and and some small woods here and there. For me, it was uh, it was important to show, in a way, nature as as I see it now, experience it, and it's a uh, it's a nature that is not secluded from uh, what's going on on the internet. What are the major differences then between that in terms of thematically, rather than obviously the fact that, yeah, this is 2000 years later, there are some obvious differences, but what are the, where's the diversion for you from Virgil's work? I think I'm describing another, another kind of uh, pastoral scenery and another kind of, uh, it's both like the geographical scenery and, and that, yeah, time has time has passed and there's been an agricultural revolution and stuff like that but also that um, the countryside is not necessarily a possibility for rest and 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 rejuvenation or what you call it it's uh it's um the problems don't go away if you go and walk walk the fields not for titrus uh, and i think yeah a, a two-sided idea in a way that there is not much uh, uh, idyllic Arcadian nature left in a country like Denmark because of intense uh, intense farming. The difference between Virgil's pastoral poetry and, and mine is that uh, the countryside represents something very peaceful for for in Virgil's poems, and for me, it's uh, or for Titurus, it's a uh, it's a place where everything still goes on and being disturbed is, is part of it and being anxious and being, uh, it, it doesn't kind of, it doesn't have the same release or re- reliefment as in, in Virgil's poetry. And I, he is a distracted, he's an agitated man, isn't he? He's a distracted man. I mean, the, the, the medication that he's on is Ritalin, which 
I think ADHD pastoral idea and the idea of roaming through the countryside you're, you're obviously there to look and see things and pick things out but the 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 other side to that is is the fact that he's also being drawn to things that he doesn't necessarily want to be drawn for. And yeah, this continual sense of dissatisfaction in where he is. There's a lot about desire in a way, also uh, like a desire to find peace or relieve pain, but also like basic basic youthful sexual desire and desire to get drunk and to yeah both have a good time, but also not not be anxious um or or find peace and i think in many ways i attribute that also to being it being a book about young people um and that's also another thing i liked about pastoral poetry in in a way it's it reminds me a bit of uh, beverly hills 90210 other things i grew up with that, like that i think that was my first um intense study of uh, kind of a, of youth culture and romance as a kid going coming home from school and and at some point I read this um, other personal po- poem called Daphne and Chloe which is basically two young people who really wants to get together but then one is abducted abducted by pirates and and things happen like all the time so there's always this tension about wanting to have a have a romance or sexual relationship and things getting in between and it reminded me so much about so much of television and, and stuff I grew up with so in a way I I also went to pastoral poetry because I thought of it as a genre that that worked with young people and worked with desire and worked about worked a lot with just being yeah kind of lustful yeah, uh, well, Vir- from Virgil to Friends to Beverly Hills, 90210. Um, I, I think, uh, well, yeah, it's the, um, are these characters then in those films and in, and Titterus, you know, are these characters that are searching for something or are they, are they looking for distraction? I guess there is a general, gen- genuine search for something. Um, much of the time, it turns out to be distraction, um, and maybe that's how it is in a way uh, when you're in your twenties, uh, as Tutorus is. And and uh, there's this uh, this there's this poem about uh, and then Tutorus he sees a porpoise, I think it's called, and he says, "Look, there's a porpoise," and everybody looks, and that's kind of it. So in a way, I think nature works. I, I think it, it works mainly as a, a scenery and a distraction. But in a way, it, I think it's, it is both like, uh, but it's hard to say exactly what Tisrus gets out of it. Gets out of it because it's, yeah, in a way it's written, it's written in third person. So in the, in the poem, you see Tisrus seeing a porpoise and that's it. I'm actually not sure what Tisrus finds in, in, in the pastoral landscapes. He finds a lot of animals when he gets confused and anxious. And sometimes he finds a bit of respite. Because, I mean, I, I I think you were born in 1991. I was born in 1991. And I grew up in that culture of, you know, friends and, and American TV shows. And, yeah, people ha- hanging out, hanging around, wasn't it? You know, mm-hmm. they were just, hang- find, you know, without a real sense of purpose. 
do we? Have, I don't want to. Do we ever have that as we go? Do we ever have days where we're not, especially as a writer, Duncan? Do you have days now where you're not searching for something, not looking for a deeper meaning in something, or have a you know a, a day of without without a sense of purpose? If you know what I mean. I think when I wrote Tetris, I had many days where I felt that, and I had a, some. I had I didn't have much money, but I had a lot of time. Um, and now I'm a dad of two and I have a, I have a day job as a teacher. And I wrote my second book, which was a lot about becoming a father. And in, in a way, it's, uh, it, that book is just kind of a turn away from Titrus, which is, uh, Titrus in a way, even though he's outside in countryside and in relations, he's kind of very unconnected. He's cruising in a way and, and things disturb him, disturbing him and he becomes anxious and he takes his medication and he gets, he gets drunk and he gets high and he gets satisfaction and dissatisfaction. But something about, yeah, me right now, it's, it's more, I don't have any days without a purpose because in many ways, my purpose is uh, that the house doesn't burn down or something like that, that you have to, like um, heaven forbid. <laughs> yeah, heaven forbid. Yeah, get the get the kids get the kids to kindergarten. Do your job. Read your read your emails. And I really actually I really enjoy that in a way. I think the twenties, uh, uh, with all their freedom, is also and for me it was an extremely anxious time. I had no idea what I I was doing, um, and what I should be doing. So. Um, and sometimes maybe you're long enough for a bit more time. I think it will come when the kids are older. But now, uh, the question about purpose is more like a, it's more like the small purpose, like get every, get everything moving and, and the work, the work of writing and the work of reading is more like, uh, I'll just, I'll just pick up my work and I'll read and I'll write and I'll answer emails and I will read my students' stuff and I'll, yeah, in between taking care of kids. So it's a, it's a, for me, it's a much more connected way. And so in a way, I think Ciceros has followed me in a part of my life where it made sense. And now have a, yeah, I would almost call it a kind of a dark Biedermeier kind of life with, a, with an old house and, and a garden and uh, living in a small village and then going off to Copenhagen to work. Um, the perspective has changed a lot, but for me, the, the Citrus book kind of encap- encapsulate maybe being from generation 1991, and it, it has filled my 20s as well, in a way. that it, It's kind of a canonical work, Beverly Hills, for me, that it, it <laughs> shaped. shaped. The, the thing, I don't know if you ever watched, um, it was called That 70s Show. Actually, I haven't. It didn't. I don't think it aired in Denmark. Uh... Right. Okay. The so it was set in the seventies, but it was produced in I don't know, like early two thousands, maybe. Ah, yeah. Um, the theme, the theme, the theme, as you saw, the theme tune's coming back into my head, and the the words were hanging out down the street, the same old things we did yeah. last week, and it was that yeah, it was that culture of portraying people with not a greater sense of purpose. Hey there, just a quick message from me. And just to say, if you're really enjoying today's podcast, I'd be really grateful if you left a review on your favorite podcast provider. 
The Rippling Pages is all about letting writers talk about their craft so that you and other listeners can learn more about the art of literature. Leaving a review increases the reach of the podcast and hopefully means that more people will hear about the writer's work. Thanks very much, and it's just great to have you here. So I just thought there were some themes here about family, and there were more themes in here about family than there was in Virgil's, particularly some ideas around sons, about the ideas of sons and daughters and the different ways that they're treated in in your book. Yeah, well, there is this theme about um, uh, the agricultural logic about uh, butchering the the male offspring uh, before they become sexual mature or before they can reproduce um, and in a way it, an overlap of of agricultural logic in a way and then on the other hand there is I think for my generation there's actually quite a bit about the male vulnerability in the book about um uh, a boy drowning, a, uh, a boy, a boy's father committing suicide, and it's it's kind of in the periphery, and it's in these sentences that the that the the male kids, uh, the male um, what do you call go, small goats, kids, yeah, 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 are being slaughtered before they they reach uh, puberty in a way. So I think there's there is a theme about. Um, yeah, the male body being vulnerable as well, being vulnerable for getting in trouble or, or getting hurt. And you you see also in the statistics that more more men have ADHD and more men have trouble staying in school and keeping a job in Denmark at least. And uh, for me, it that was also kind of part of my youth. Um, yeah, the, tra- the challenge of, of finding a way to cope with and live with ADD attention deficit disorder and I found a, a very good way now uh, which is to focus on becoming a writer and doing stuff that I'm good at instead of I had to drop out of university a couple of times to realize that my my uh, it wasn't there there's a lot of poetry about young men it's kind of conventional in a way and there's a lot of poetry about a young men going out in the woods and seeking inspiration and stuff. And I'm I'm not really interested about this. I'm not that interested in that, but I'm really interested about what is what is it like for young men on Rizalin to be in the woods? Or what is it for young men um, not being able to hold on to a job? But I wanted to move to the forest and just speak about the forest, if that's okay. You've hinted, you've, you've mentioned it, you referenced it. It's just quite an interesting place, both for you and for Virgil. Forest in Virgil's work, and there's a forest, and the forest in there is mythical as well. It is real. You know, it feels like it is a real place. But it it kind of has this mystical powers. And then in your version, it's home to a large transformer substation. So you've spoken about that you would see this in a, in a, you would see this walking through the woods. There are substations in the woods, there are power stations in the woods. Is there a bolder metaphor there? Well, you could say there is the metaphor of what Titurus thinks that the trees are very like uh, a transformer substation. There's some, they are changing one substance into another. They're changing sunlight and, I guess, nutrients into growth. In a way, it's a very unmythical forest that, that Titurus walks into. But on the other hand, he suddenly grabs a stick and thinks of, himself as a 
as a wizard um, for a while. And then he lays down between some Iron Age mounts for a while um, and has some kind of experience. So I think for me or in the book or in my poetry, and it's uh, my newest poetry, I, I write quite a bit about the the forest near my house here. Um, but I think the forest is like a domain you can revisit as a poet. And every time you have to kind of rewrite or rethink, like it, it could be a, in citrus is kind of a, a deadpan forest is kind of a, it's a mechanical forest. It's a disturbed forest in a way, but it's also, it also have a, has a hint of, of the possibility of something mythical or something old or something he's sitting writing his name on this kind of wand that he finds and then he gets a text somebody's here to pick him up and he gets disturbed by a seagull and he runs away so so you get this um there's something to find there but maybe he hasn't he doesn't have the quiet to find it and now and now when i visit the forest a bit older it means something different but forest is also agriculture in Denmark. It is also farmed. And I think with many of the domains that I visit in Tisrus, like the field and the forest and the city, it would be kind of uh, tropes, a domain that every time you visit them, you have to kind of re, you, I re, every time I visit something, I have to renegotiate it to think about something has changed in me and, and something has changed, for example, in the city. Now that I live here and I, I work in Copenhagen, I see Com- Copenhagen completely different uh, as to when I lived there. Now I see it mainly as a workplace. And before it was a, a place I lived and have had other relations to. And, and yeah, so in a way, I think there's a, there is a bigger me- metaphor with the forest, but it's kind of ever changing. That hint towards something, there's always a hint towards a transformation. And, you know, that's what the power station reminded me of, the large transformer substation. But that never really happens. You know, the the the, the bigger transformation into something never never occurs. There's always hints towards it, but it's never quite fully achieved. And again, you spoke a bit about Copenhagen and the city. You know, what are your kind of ideas then of um, sort of, I guess, growth or transformation? Say Titerus in 10 years' time. Would it be a different story or would it be the same story? Uh, well, in the end, in a way, it like the whole the whole um, collection is written in third person, but there is a, a prologue and an epilogue written in, in first person. And I think there is, a, in, a, in a way, there is kind of a small change in the end of, of the book, which is not that there's a big transformation for Citrus, but more maybe a bit of... Um, and acceptance, I think he says something about that, that he lives in the train or uh, when he swims in the in the pool. I, I don't really have the English translation here, but living in the in-between in a way. The movement is the very last poem. I think that the genre of pastoral poetry, poetry fits uh, the description of youth in a way and a whole the whole theme about anxiety and vulnerability it it uh, in a way it 
it settles a bit down at the end. Um, moving for me, I would say towards some kind of, uh, I guess also the idea of, of pastoral poetry is also, uh, there, the idea of, of being able to find something idealized uh, in nature or finding something bigger or finding something uh, more serene. And in the end, it's not, it's not in the, actually in the woods or in the pastoral landscape, but it's in the, it is in the trains. It's in, in the, in the swimming pool of the university. It's in the empty lecture hall or it's in the cafeteria where you buy, buy your cigarettes or, or where he finds his something that looks like, uh, um, kind of peace. Um, I just wondered if we could finish just talking a little bit about the translation of it. You've yeah. got Max, um, in the Ribera and Sam Riviere, uh, scholars and poets in their, in their own right, helping with the translation of this. And there is a distinct style to this, this your work, uh, especially in English. And I just wonder if we could talk a little bit about that, that process. Max did a fantastic job of translating from Danish into English, which is a lot of work. And I had a, a talk with the Denise Hansen, yeah, I talked with her about me being like, should I try to translate it into to English? And even though I'm pretty comfortable with English, I think for one thing is that that um, I think my my English is mainly influenced by American culture as well, so it wouldn't be all right, of course, <laughs> and it probably wouldn't be it wouldn't be proper English in a way. But then Maxi did kind of the the whole. Um, the whole really hard work and it was it was wild it was wild wild for me to see it in english because it it felt so close to the danish version from early on like he really caught really caught kind of the flat low style that it was written in like much of the way and then sam came in later and I've read uh, quite a lot of Sam's book. Uh, Denise sent me a couple and I ordered some of them. And I think in many ways, uh, we have a lot of the same interests, um, dealing with antiquity in a, in a, in a modern way. And also, yeah, there might, I did wonder if there might be some crossovers with, with some of Sam's work and the, the particular, uh, images taken from pop culture. Yeah, it was a very famous um, title of his collection. Yeah, Kim Kardashian's marriage. Yeah, Kim Kardashian's yeah. marriage. Um, yeah, yeah, but I, I think we we really click. So, I yeah, after Max has like kind of did the rough but quite good translation from Danish to English, uh, Sam looked it through and we made some adjustment also. Um, I think tone wise, Sam and I are some way similar that uh, kind of the, the direct or flat tone in a way. You can almost hear it in, in, yeah, Kim Kardashian's marriage, choosing that as a title. And, um, yeah, I think the generations of, of poets, um, that he's from really did kind of much of the leg work of getting, uh, Making it, 
okay to write in an internet language or to write in a spoke not like spoken uh, kind of beat language but more like really plain language so i really enjoyed that of reading his 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 poems so he he kind of helped uh, a lot with uh, finding the tone like how how did the how should they sound how how can we find the the flattest language as possible in a way or the most most modern and i had the opportunity to meet with max and and sam in copenhagen and, and go through the translation and i i really enjoyed the enjoyed meeting them so there there is actually some some places where the the book differs a bit in the english translation where the tone is a bit different where it's where we have have had to move kind of we have to have had to use some high language some places where it wasn't i think in a way that the reading the reading of the book in danish and the reading of the book in 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 english isn't that dissimilar i think it's quite it it is quite the same experience and then there is some some things about like for example i i would say chair about a chair but in the in the in the collection it says stool right in, right in the english translation for me stool sounds very medieval but it is apparently um in english language completely uh at the thing you would say about what i call a chair so yeah I, we we have we use stools <laughs> we yeah. have stools everywhere and it's funny because yeah. it's it's very close to the danish uh, stool which is right chair. so but that's I, a very medieval term yeah it is uh, probably yeah and, and and i thought about like also the inspiration of tiras being and carson and beverly hills and and all the english I, I, I read quite a lot of english poetry and enjoy it that I don't think my sentences in Danish differs that much from from English sentences, and there is a relation. So, I think is that uh, come to is that the language or the grammar? I think uh, it's partly the language, but also I think uh, the syntax that I choose or work with with uh, it remind it is quite close to Anne Carson's uh, autobiography of Red, where he has. She has a character called Garyon, so it's very much like Garyon walks to school, and it's very much in English. It's very much that the Tishros walks to school or takes the train. So it has kind of this uh, very, very simple, almost child book-like syntax, some places, and that translated very easily into English. I would say, yeah, I'm extremely happy with the work they did, and I. I think I couldn't. I could not have translated it at all by myself. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you about Titerus, a pastoral. Uh, it's out uh, now at the end of May. Um, but for now, Duncan, thank you very much for joining me. Well, thank you, Liam. Thank you for inviting me. And I really enjoyed the conversation and your lovely questions. Big thanks once again to Duncan for joining me for today's episode. And of course, my biggest thanks to you for listening. Again, if you enjoyed today's episode, why not leave a five-star rating on your favourite podcast? Otherwise, it's until next time.